Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So the important message is you've got to find your niche and you've got to zig when others zag. And there are too many, particularly in the space that we're in now, where I find that there are too many people talking about the same thing. And it's just customer experience is in danger of becoming just an echo chamber. People tend to be happy when they focus on trying to do what's meaningful for them. And, and I think that's that's what you're saying here. Like you, you have to find something that you enjoy, but also something that you find kind of meaningful and important and something you're willing to sacrifice for. You'll know that it's very easy to say you're an expert or whatever. Wait, what do you mean I'll know? <laughs> Implying that I just go around claiming to be an expert in things? Ryan, what were you doing 20 years ago? Oh, gosh, 20 years ago. Um, let's see, I was a newlywed. I didn't have any kids. So from what I tell my kids, I led a very interesting life at that time. <laughs> the reality is 20 years ago, I was probably watching one of the last episodes of Friends. Right. And being boring. Yep. And how many kids have you got now? Uh, now I've got five. So five? I, I used that 20 years well. <laughs> very productive. Well done, <laughs> <Yes>. mate. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, so 20 years ago. What were you doing 20 years ago? What was ago? I doing? I was starting Beyond Philosophy. So 20 years ago today, not today, actually, it was actually the 1st of January, we started Beyond Philosophy and I started on this quest. It's actually interesting because I started to look back at some of the things that were happening 20 years ago, you know, as, as you do. Well, I'll, hold on, Colin. I'll let, I'll let you continue with this, but um, I, I feel like we kind of glossed over that. Your, your company is 20 years old this year. Congratulations. That's a Thank big you. deal. It is. It is very good. It's really quite interesting that when you look at some of the statistics around how companies, do they survive or not? I looked at some of the US labor statistics and 20% of small businesses fail within the first year. 50% fail within by the fifth year and something like 60% fail within the first 10 years. And when you take a step back and you go, actually, 20 years ago, I mean, maybe it would be good to ask the listener to think, what were they doing 20 years ago? Because 20 years ago, okay, this was pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, pre-iPhone. Wow. I mean, do you remember those days? <laughs> you know, these were the days apparently where People, again, it used to take 12 and a half minutes to download a song from the internet on a 56K modem, yeah? Wow. Yeah, yeah we, we would just gather around looking at cave paintings. Yeah, oh, no, I absolutely. remember those days. Uh, and here's another interesting stat I found. that 20 years ago, people used to spend 46 minutes surfing online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was only that nowadays, yeah? But uh, yeah, and the most popular site was AOL. In fact, somebody sent me their email address the other day, which was an AOL account. And I thought, who does that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you remember those days when everyone used to have AOL accounts? And yeah, that, it used uh, to be the cool thing. And yeah. now it's kind of a red flag. <laughs> yeah. So 
With 20 years, we started Beyond Philosophy. And the other good news is that we've just been awarded the Financial Times being one of the best management consultancy. And this is probably the best thing for the fourth year in a row. So that's something I'm also... again. Yeah, thank you, mate. Uh, something I'm really proud of. I've, I've always said, uh, in fact, when I started Beyond Philosophy, I started off by saying, I'm an expert in this subject. It's just that nobody knows about it. And you'll know that it's very easy to say you're an expert or whatever. Wait, what do you mean, I'll know? <laughs> Implying that I just go around claiming to be an expert? In yes, that is true. I mean, anyone can claim to be an expert in anything. Um, yes. Establishing your bona fides is another matter entirely. Yes. And it's always, for me, it's when other people say you're an expert. That's truly when when you can start to sit back on your laurel. Well, not in fact, that's not true. Sit back on your laurels. But when you can start to go, well, maybe I am. But what, what are we going to talk about today? We're not just going to talk about that. What I wanted to talk about was I've learned so much over that 20 years. I'm more than aware of the great resignation that's been happening sort of as we hopefully start to come out of the pandemic with people sort of reassessing their lives. And I know that a number of people have taken the plunge and are starting their own business. So I, I thought it'd be useful to look at the 10 tips that I would give to ensure that your company lasts two decades like Beyond Philosophy has. So 10 so tips. these are, are tips for entrepreneurs, things you can do when you're starting a business? Yeah, and, and I wouldn't even say, to be honest with you, uh, yes, they're for entrepreneurs. And I know that there's a number of consultants, other consultants that listen to the show. So if you're running your own business, but to be honest with you, these apply even if you're in sort of full-time employment. I think that there are 10 tips that I have learned about business effectively over the last 20 years. Let's dive into it, shall we? I love it. And again, the more I think about your last question, the more I'm just looking down this list, I'm thinking, yeah, it's just it's not about being an entrepreneur. It's about it's about business life effectively. So kind of succeeding in business and life? Yeah, yeah. So the first one is be brave and do what makes you proud and what you enjoy. When I think about it, actually, this sort of starts to sum up the great resignation, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I guess there's a number of people out there that are starting to go, I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing. Why in the hell am I doing this? And therefore started to go, actually, I'm going to start my own business or do what it, whatever it is. But I think that's really important to start your own business, particularly you've got to work bloody hard. Yeah. And, and if you don't have the motivation to do it and you're not enjoying it, there's just no point because it's not about the money as, as people will tell you, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. Several years ago, I, I gave a graduation speech at Emory and it was about happiness and how people can be happy. And so I dug into the research on that. And one of the findings was, that a lot of times people can't make themselves be happy by focusing on trying to be happy, but instead it was um, people tend to be happy when they focus on trying to do what's meaningful yes. for them. And, yes. and I think that's that's what you're saying here. Like yes. you, have, you have to find something that you enjoy, but also something that you find kind of meaningful and important and something you're willing to sacrifice for. Because yes. we're all sacrificing things all the time. But if it's not for some larger purpose, something that we're excited about, 
it's just torture. Yes. I remember we had Fred Reicheld on the show a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, talking about Net Promoter and his sort of a new version of that. Mm -hmm. And I said to Fred at the time, I I remember being in an audience in uh, London and looking up at the stage and looking at Fred and all the other speakers and thinking, I want to do that. I I, want to stand up on a stage and get paid for speaking at a conference, etc. So one of the things I did at the time was I went to a few speaker agencies. So these are sort of intermediaries between a client would go there and go, hey, we want to speak on a customer, customer experience. You know, who do you know? And they would take a cut of the money, obviously. And I remember going to this agency and I remember sitting down and this was literally in 20 years ago. And the guy there said, why do you want to do it? So it was like an interview, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously I'm a nobody. I've got, you know, not one follower. I'm a nobody. And he said, why do you want to do it? And I thought to myself, I wonder what he wants to hear. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do I tell him the truth or do I come up with some cotton ball thing because I think that's what he wants to hear? And I thought to myself, I'm just going to tell him the truth. And I said, because I enjoy it. Yeah. And he went, that's exactly the reason to, to, to do conference speaking, yeah. because you enjoy it. Because the rest follows on from that. Because you enjoy it, you work harder at it. Because you enjoy it, you want to be successful at it and therefore know your subject and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you enjoying that, in, in this case, the conference speaking and everything else. So I think that's really important uh, as well. I think the other thing, a couple of other things, this show, Ryan and I wrote a book, The Intuitive Customer, which is the name of this podcast and the name of the book. And after we wrote it, because we'd had such a good time just bantering between each other, do you remember, Ryan, we said, why don't we do a webinar mm-hmm. Yeah, and do a regular webinar and we'll do it a couple of times uh, a month. And you remember we started doing that and then we went, oh, blimey, do you, why don't we do a podcast? There's this thing called podcast. This was four years ago. There's this thing called podcast. Why don't we do a podcast? And do you remember the debate that we had about should we do this or not? And should it be every week or sure. how often should it be? And do you think we're going to run out of what to talk about? <laughs> that was the big concern. Yeah, this has been fun doing it six or seven times, but uh, is it something we want to commit to? Yes. No, absolutely. The reason I'm mentioning that is because, again, at the time, starting to go, do we really want to commit to do this once a week and will we have enough material and will anybody listen to the bloody show? That part still amazes me. But yeah, go ahead. (laughs) And the reason that you and I still do this is because we enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the audience has been growing and everything else and, and that gives us motivation to carry on and everything else. But I guess the point I'm making is, if you weren't brave going, yeah, we'll do it. If you weren't doing something you want to be proud of, and when I listened back to those early days of those the webinars, the, the quality of the sound was just awful to where it is now. And if we didn't enjoy it, then just wouldn't do it, would you? Yeah. So I know I've got 10 things. I'm not going to take that long to talk about all 10 <laughs> things. Otherwise, well, the show I, will I be four hours. I think that one's a pretty away. important one. It is. It is. It's fundamentally important. I've said this on the show before, number two, So again, this is in the context of how do you keep your company going for 20 years and be successful? And again, how do you become fourth year in a row, financial times saying that we're one of the leading consultancies? You've got to zig when others zag. 
the great thing I love is looking at this list of consultancies that we've beat uh, or consultancies that we're now included with. Mm. And they're the big boys, you know, they're the mm. McKinsey's, the Accenture's, uh, you know, the Deloitte's, you know, whoever they are, the big boys. But we do something different to them. You know, we are different to them. We're more boutique. We're more specialists. We deal with emotions. We deal with behavioral science. So the important message is you've got to find your niche and you've got to zig when others zag. And there are too many particularly in the space that we're in now, where I find that there are too many people talking about the same thing and it's just customer experience is in danger of becoming just an echo chamber. And you remember we had Alex Mead on the show a little while ago? Sure. We'll put the link in the show notes that was was talking about some of that. Uh, number three, be focused. Okay. So again, with customer experience as a topic, there are many aspects of customer experience that you could look at. And we know the customer experience is holistic. So which bits are you going to do? And what I found myself over the over the 20 years doing is I think some of the success has been around not doing everything and knowing the bits that you're good at and knowing the bits that you're not good at. So one of the areas that I think we could have moved into is the whole area of employee experience, because I still believe that customer experience and employee experience conceptually are the same thing. But we didn't go into that area. And one of the reasons why was because actually, I think you then have to start dealing with a completely different set of people like from HR and various other areas of business and again it's not sticking to our knitting does that phrase work in english um no we don't oh. knit in america but <laughs> i can i can infer what you mean but. yeah so stick into the things you're good at you know you and i talk a lot about uh, the importance of targeting you're essentially making an argument for targeting and positioning kind of knowing yeah. who your customers are and the idea that you can't serve everybody and that and that's scary for entrepreneurs especially the idea that you could potentially be turning down business yes but i i agree with your point you cannot do everything for everyone and yes. to the extent you try you're just going to do a worse job for everyone yes well you also spread yourself too thin yeah and again if you're in your own business you've got limited resources so you've got to focus those resources. And the danger is, is that you end up chasing so many different things. Classic phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. You need to be a master of something. The jack in that story being famously a knitter. Um, <laughs> was very good at that and nothing else. <laughs> he was, yes. I can't think of a response to that. <laughs> totally I've, I've done what I came to do then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yes, very good advice. Okay, number four, expect hard work. Setting up your own company, particularly in the early years, is bloody hard work, you know? Mm -hmm. So don't expect nine to five. The thing I learned, one of the biggest things I learned was I could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, working and it still wouldn't be enough 
Yeah. And the danger is, is that's what you do. Uh, and you can't keep that pace going for that long or you end up losing your family, basically. So you end up having to, what I ended up having to do was to go, no, I'm not going to do those things. I'm only going to work these hours and I'm now I'm going to stop because you just can't keep that uh, pace up. The other thing, and this actually comes later, but obviously delegation and building a team basically to take some of the load off uh, but the danger is is the founder and, and maybe this is another one actually i should have put in there the danger is, is the founder thinks they're an expert in everything yeah and again they're not and this does come under number nine which is a, this diverse team bit you do actually have to build a diverse team then let people do things that they think are the right thing as opposed to you trying to think that you're an expert in everything just because you come up with this one idea. In some, in fact, some of the best ideas we've had have come from other members of the team and not from me. Number five, discover the time wasters. Uh, and again, this goes back to... I don't the... love that you're looking directly into my eyes as you say that, but go <laughs> ahead, what were you? <laughs> yeah, the time wasters for me are, I wish I had a dollar that in the early years when people used to contact me and say, Colin, I would like to have a, a conversation with you a, uh, about strategy and how we could collaborate, which basically means, this is what I learned from that phrase, which basically means we would like you to sell our services because your network is better than ours. <laughs> and we would like you to do that for free, but we're going to call it strategic. Only the other day I had somebody that was asking me for a collaboration of some description. And let me be clear, I'm more than happy to collaborate with people. Sure. But what people fail to understand is that it needs to be a win-win. And if it's just a win for one party and not for you, then you're just wasting their time, basically. The other one for me is just the amount of conferences that want me to speak for free they again want to use my network they want to use you know access the followers i'm not going to do that basically unless things are appropriate and there's a win 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 in fact there and what i mean for that is a win for me a win for the organization and a win for for the audience basically you know it needs to be all those things and if it's too many people just look at themselves and and think what's good for them rather than that win win mentality How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. Number six, I learned this in the Great Recession. So the interesting part over the last 20 years as well is, given the pandemic and the Great Recession, I've been through two major financial upheavals as, as well. 
And what I learned in the Great Recession is cash is king. Yeah. Fortunately, we deal with large companies. And I could also say, unfortunately, we deal with large companies. <laughs> and what, what I mean by that is what I found is that the large companies try to pressurize you to accept 90-day payment terms and things like that, which I think is, is just wrong. You've just, again, to survive, you've just got to, we, so we won't accept that. And we say, no, we're not doing that. And you've got to get to a win-win, basically. But cash is definitely king. You need to build up your war chest for a rainy day as well, to mix my metaphors. <laughs> we'll accept it. Um, yeah. I mean, this this falls under stuff you probably didn't think you would have to worry about when starting your business. No. You know, I, I assumed you didn't go into uh, starting beyond philosophy thinking, all right, now what kind of payment terms should I have a policy around? I think you just, you assume that companies will pay and usually they will eventually. But no, I mean, this this kind of seemingly small decision at the outside, outset of your business or as you're connecting business can can really be important in the long run because you yes. have money that's going to be a problem. Yes, and and coming from the corporate world, okay, I didn't have to worry about cash yeah. other than the salary that I was getting, you know. Yeah. But suddenly there is there's a big difference, a big difference between getting a regular salary in and then suddenly running your own finances and running a, a small business you've really got to start thinking about cash flow and, and all those things. And again, I can't be an expert in everything. So it's having members of the team that are, that can worry about those things. So each member of the team, it sounds a bit naive, but it sounds a bit obvious saying this, but sometimes as somebody wise once says, common sense isn't that common. Having an ex, each of the individual's jobs being expert and, and being able to do their own thing. So I don't really worry about the cash because I have somebody that does, you know, the CFO does. And I focus on what I'm good at and they focus on what they're good at. And that's a completely different skill set. And again, that's, uh, I think, a, a key thing for surviving over the last 20 years. Number seven is reinvent yourself. So we started off talking about customer experience. At the time, it wasn't customer experience, wasn't talked about. But even then, we were talking about emotions. Now we've been talking about behavioral science. Now we've started to see this trend in customer science. So you've got to constantly reinvent yourself and move with the times. Because if we still offered the same things that we offered back in the day, then again, we, we wouldn't be in business. Yeah. Number eight is Oscar Wilde. And there's a quote that I've always loved about him that, again, I've, I've stuck to, which is, there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. What I mean by that is that if I go back 20 years, I knew a lot about customer experience. Not a lot of organizations were talking about it then. In fact, very few. And I, I literally wrote one of the first books on it, Building Great Customer Experiences back in 2002, I considered myself an expert. But what I realized was nobody knew that I was. <laughs> so you have to put effort into what's now called content marketing, which is putting a load of stuff out there free that people can download. 
So in fact, that, that brings me on to something that I think may be useful for people. As part of our celebration of 20 years, we are going to give away a couple of the books that I've written on customer experience and employee experience. And we're going to give away a number of papers that I've written. We've had internal conversations about, well, should we give people 50% off? Shouldn't we be asking to get the audience to do something to gain these things? All these sort of typical marketing conversations that you have. But we've decided, nah, we're just going to give stuff away. And that's in recognition of all the followers, all the listeners, all the clients that we've had over that period of time as a thanks to everybody for getting us where we are today and listening and following and following the podcast, following the newsletter that we do. You'll see all of that on social media from this podcast onwards. You'll see all of that on uh, being advertised on our social media. So I hope that helps everybody. That sort of comes from this thought of there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. So if somebody was to turn around to me and say, Colin, tell me how much revenue you get from doing the podcast. Tell me how much revenue you get from the Why Customers Buy newsletter. I couldn't tell them. But you do it because you think it's the right thing, and you do it because you think that getting out there in the market, putting your opinion out there in the market, contributing to the debate, eventually people will contact you. And I guess it's worked because we're still here 20 years later. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, we, we started off talking about establishing your bona fides and, and how is it that you become an expert that other people acknowledge as an expert as opposed to being alone in your office, you know, yelling at the wall, insisting that you are. And one of the ways of doing that is by kind of getting your thoughts out there into the marketplace and and letting people see what it is that you think and what it yeah. is that you can do. And I think that that's a great, great bit of advice. It always worried me. I think I've told you this before, you know, for my first book, I worried that I'd be going down to the local discount book center and find it on sale there for 25 cents. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, that's not been the case. And, uh, That goes back to the other bit about zigging when others are zagging, saying something different. You know, sometimes even being controversial helps. Let's move on. Two to go. Nine. And I've talked about this. Build a diverse team. So diversity is good. Diversity in thoughts in all different aspects is good. But then letting people have their heads, I think, is more difficult, particularly when it's your business and your baby. Yeah, You've got to let go. And I I think I learned that over my management career, and that's helped me do it in your own business. But letting the, the experts in their own different fields have their head, listening to their advice, I think, is is key. And you only get that by building a diverse team. You raised this point, but to just make it explicit, diversity is only half of it. You also need to have a culture where people feel protected to say what they they believe um, and, and know that their contributions will be valued and appreciated if they're honest and open. And so those are are two related but distinct 
bits of advice. I think they're both yeah. important. No, that, that's a good point. And you will know my phrase that I love, which is none of us are as clever as all of us. That is important. But I have to say, it is more difficult to actually let people do things because sometimes you sit there and you think, I totally disagree with that. I'm pretty sure it's going to fail, but I'm just going to let that happen and I'm going to let it fail. I've done this and I've lost money over it. But actually, I always remember a an example of a, I think it was back in the day, there was an example of an IBM guy who he'd done something on a project and it cost IBM a million pounds and somebody said to them, Somebody said, oh, are you sacking this person? And they said, nah, I've just, we've just sent them on a million-pound training course. Why would I do that? Yeah. You know? Failure is good, and there's lots of things that we've done that haven't worked and that we've spent money on, lots of money on, and it hasn't worked. Have you watched Shark Tank? I presume yes. you've watched Shark Tank. The British uh, version of that, I always remember one of the guys sitting there and saying, he said, the art of a business, and this is, you know, again, something like us that's over 20 years, is making more good decisions than you do bad. Hmm. So have I made bad decisions? Yeah. But hopefully I've made more good decisions than I have bad. So last one, provide customers with value. I thought about putting this at the beginning. But I think this is a great one to finish on because if you don't do this, you're not going to be around for 20 years. And some of the best things that I love is that we still deal with clients that I dealt with at the beginning. And some of the best things is either being called back into an organization or that client leaving and joining another organization And then guess what they do? They call you in again. But they will only do that if they think that you are making sense, you're providing value, and you're creating value for them. And that's the beauty of that sort of repeat business. Yeah, that's a real testimonial. Yeah, it is. And, And even down, to be honest, mate, again, the podcast, Ryan and I are genuinely pleased with the numbers of downloads that we get every week so clearly that's a vote of going well we we hope it's a vote anyway of people going actually this is quite quite useful uh, you know or the number of views that you get on your social media and why customers buy newsletter that for us is reinforcement of hey you're doing the right the right thing again thank you i think that this is a an important point to a lot of, you know, if you, if you look at the first bit of advice that you gave, which is, it essentially boils down to kind of focus on you. Like, what is it that you want? What is important to you? What would you find meaningful? And I, I think that especially, I mean, I agree with you that it's good advice for all of business, but especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to start something up, that is so important to consider. But your last point here is that's not enough. <laughs> it's very easy to form the ideal company for you. Ultimately, if other people don't see the value of what you're providing, it's not going to be successful. So on my first day in marketing classes, I draw a Venn diagram on the board that has overlapping circles that has company value and customer value in it. And and that's ultimately the way to have a, a company succeed is you need to be getting something out of it. 
money, certainly, but then also some kind of sense of meaning, hopefully. But that's not enough. And you need to be in that that space in between where both you are getting something out of it and also yeah. your customers are getting something out of yeah. it. No, and that's absolutely. how you're successful long term. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to be totally honest, you, you can clearly do all of the stuff that we've talked about at the beginning, but if you're not providing value to customers, you, your business is never going to last very long. That's right. But you can't provide that value unless you've built a team. and it, All these things are reinforcing each other. I hope that list has been useful. We really hope that you're going to join in the celebrations over the next month. Please look out for postings on my social media, on LinkedIn and Twitter. As I say, we will be giving stuff away. There'll be links there that you can click on and download uh, a couple of the books free of charge. Also go on to our Why Customers Buy newsletter, which is on LinkedIn, and subscribe to that if that helps, if you're already there. The only thing we'd ask you to do is just pay it forward. You don't have to tell us you're doing it. We discussed internally, should we ask people to take a screenshot of them subscribing? We ended up going, nah, this wrong thing. Let's just celebrate the fact that we've been around for 20 years. Let's celebrate the fact that we've got the FT Award. Let's celebrate the fact we've got a load of people that are downloading the podcast. And let's try and give something to you, the audience. So thank you very much for for listening over the last four years. I hope I'm around in another 20 years and going, oh, we're still doing the old philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I hope that's been useful to you and we look forward to talking to you next week and joining the celebrations. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.